Today we're looking at his word, and as I thought about 2020, the idea of vision and, you know, obviously 2020 is supposed to be really clear vision, and uh, some people have better sight than that. I know for a long time, I haven't had good eyes since I was a child. Some of you, some of you have corrective lenses since your childhood. Some of you are I remember seeing the moon for the first time. I didn't know it had texture. And sir, I mean, I, look, I said, are you kidding me? There's really like a man in the moon? And you can even see individual leaves on trees and everything? Well, with corrective lenses and in my contact today, most of you look. Well, I was going to tell you, you, you haven't aged since last year. Everyone looks about the same. It's a blessing. Thank you for the applause for that. That may be it. But um, Scripture... And the question for today's motif, really, for each person here is, what will shape you in 2020? There'll be shapers all around you and all around me this year, looking to shape us in different ways. But what will shape you in 2020? I have something here that um, just actually quite old. It was patented in 1897. I think we have a few members that were serving here back then. No, I'm just kidding. It's a little thing with a bicycle built for two on it. Here's that old song, Daisy, Daisy. Is it, Give me your answer true. I'm half crazy over my love for you. Well, love is half crazy when you... But anyway, that's how it is. But I'll show you that in a little bit. Tie it in a little bit later. Scripture in 2020 vision, what will shape you in 2020? The fact is, as I listen to different things on the radio, media, all different types of media, read, whatever, listen to the latest... Uh, philosophers of our day and time, I hear many attacks on the Word of God, and sometimes they're backhanded. Well, we know as enlightened Christians, as I've heard someone say recently, as enlightened Christians, we know that, that truth is evolving. Dear friend, whenever you're if you hear that from a pulpit or from anyone else, run. Truth is evolving because Jesus Christ claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. Let me just say to you today, I realize there's people listening in a simulcast in different places. And people that are here today, there's lots of differing views on heaven, hell, God, belief, Jesus, the Bible, all kinds of things. I'm not here today to make friends, Okay. I'm here to proclaim what this word says. I pray you would still be my friend, even if you disagree with me today about God's word, because I'm your friend. Jesus loved people even that disagreed with him. And, and my disagreement would not mean that I don't like you. A lot of times in our world, I can say this, a lot of our college students, high school students, middle school students know that. A lot of the world couches disagreement as intolerance, okay? that's not what my disagreement's about. My disagreement about has to do with God's word and God's word being the sole authority of life, Jesus Christ being the sole authority over salvation. My, my issue in life is the Bible teaches the best love story there is, that God loves people more than anything. He came into this world on a mission where he came and died for the sins of the world, rose three days later, and offers eternal life as a gift. You never have heard from this pulpit or ever will hear from me that you get to heaven through being a member here or joining some church or being religious because none of those things can save you. But Jesus can because of what he did on the cross. And today, the story of Jesus is included in the word of God. 
from Genesis 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. It's the story of salvation's God work toward us. We cannot save ourselves. God has done that work. But the fact is God's word is under attack more than ever. When you think about it, it started long ago in a garden. It continues to this very day. But there's been an escalation. Ask these students that are in places of higher learning how many professors or teachers, if you're in high school or middle school, come out and say, uh, let me just affirm God's word. God did create it. We believe in God's word. Do you hear much of that? No, right? Now, let me say this. I understand where many of them have come from, and so do you. You see, if you eradicate the Word of God, then everyone else really does become right, don't they? Don't they? If if there is no sole place of authority, you become your own God. And I've said to people that have been in a mess before, well, didn't your best thinking help get you into this mess after 20, 30, 40, 70 years? Maybe it's time to think something differently. Maybe it's time to look at something else. And so i.e. God's word. Let's begin to look. What is scripture called? What are the scriptures called? In the word of God, the scriptures name themselves. First of all, it's called the word, James one twenty one. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The Bible is referred to as the word, the logos. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you. Sometimes that can be hard because we don't want to accept it because it will tell us to do things that are very different, antithetical to our feelings, right? Right? Let go of that and give that, whether it's time or resource, love, forgiveness. Let go. Sometimes we don't. But the Word tells us, humbly accept it. Receive it. God's smarter than us, isn't he? The Bible is referred to as Holy Scriptures. In Romans 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through the scripture, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the Agios Scriptures, the Scriptures that are set apart. This is not just some book that we come to and arbitrarily believe in because we're stupid, because there's no other things we've looked at or studied or seen. This book has been under the scrutiny of scholars, the simplest of the most profound minds for thousands of years. I did not come to find the Word of God as my source of truth in life because I just one day blindly accepted it. I challenged it to the people that talked to me about it. I decided I'd have to find out if this is true or not. If this is true, then it's going to change my life. If this is God's Word, it is absolutely God-changing. So I ask you, what will shape you in 2020? Will it be your feelings? Will it be some other issue in life? Will it be a relationship? What is going to shape you into what you will be for this year? They're the holy scriptures. Something different about them. Because you can look and look at the voracious nature of archaeology, which tells us where the Bible has said there is a place, there is a place. Over the years, they've said no such places existed, didn't exist. Time after time, as they find these tells, these raised areas of soil, they find, well, that that city was there, or that was there. That doesn't prove the Bible. The Bible proves itself. But there are many proofs out there, including the Dead Sea Scrolls, which take the Bible all the way back to close to the time of Christ, 
with either fragments or parts of whole books or whole books that tell us what you're reading today is what was read back then and what was written back then through the inspiration of God. But pastor, you're smart enough to understand this was written by people. Hold that thought. Let's keep going. The Bible is also referred to as the word of truth. James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that he might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. There is words of lies, there's words of truth. This is the word of truth. God's word doesn't merely contain truth. It is absolute truth. And that's where a lot of people right at this point have probably either clicked off their laptop or something else or their mind. They say, I don't believe that's absolute truth. At least listen to what I'm saying today. Okay? It is absolute truth. And see, it either has to be that or a complete lie. There is no middle ground in the Bible. Josh McDowell years ago on Evidence That Demands a Verdict said it very plainly. You can't be wishy-washy with Jesus. He's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. There is no other middle ground for Jesus because of what he claimed. Jesus claimed in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive. But it does help us out and narrows it down. Because you can look at that, study that, and see that, and ask yourself some very poignant questions. One of them being, did Jesus really come out of that tomb? Did Jesus truly, was he truly God? Well, you can look at Scripture and study Scripture, and if you will study it even as a skeptic with an open mind, God will reveal truth to you. He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The problem is some people have already made up their mind. If you've already made up your mind, you've closed your mind off to what God may be saying to you today. But, Pastor, it was written by people. Yes, I know. It's absolute truth that sets people free, isn't it? It's absolute truth. And you see, you get to find out something about the human dilemma when you read the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, you read about yourself in the Bible. It tells the whole story. It tells the story of a courageous guy, a young, a boy that goes out to slay a giant. You have the story of a couple of archaeologists digging on a field and they find this, this skeleton with something written on a piece of stone and... The one archaeologist says to the other, well, this guy died of a heart attack. He says, you just looked at that skeleton, looked at the stone. How do you know he died of a heart attack? Because it says 10,000 shekels on Goliath, right? Listen, it's the new year. I'm tr- David went out to slay a giant, didn't he? He's called a man after God's own heart, and that same person made a real error in judgment and sinned. It tells the truth, doesn't it? See, if people had written it to try and bias, I'd say, no, and David never had a problem after that. David had different issues, but it tells us the story of David. It tells us about Peter, the leader of the apostles. Did Peter always get it right, yes or no? No. And we don't either. It's not an excuse, it's just a fact. And so the Word of God tells us something about ourselves. It tells us something about prophecy, about our day and time. Who living a couple of thousand years ago would have said, there's going to come a time in self that no one, there's going to come a time in history when no one can buy or sell without a number. Would you have thought that? You've been sitting there talking to Jesus and say, Jesus, I think I'm going to invent these little chips that will go inside of 
these little phones or even inside of a hand or a forehead and put all the information of people in something so tiny it's smaller than a grain of rice. Who was thinking that? The Bible said that's how it's going to be one day. You won't be able to buy or sell without the number. Do you think that's possible? Do they have information about you and me and all kinds of things? Of course they do. Do you see a spirit in this world that looks very different? That's saying if we'll just eradicate the people that are narrow like you, we'll have a better place. Let me ask you, how's the world doing? Hmm? Are you out there killing people, starting wars, hating people, beating up on people? You see, Jesus changed my life. He changes anyone's life where he has freedom to come and roam and dwell and dwell by the Holy Spirit to make you differently than what you were. And so, of course, the Bible was written by people. That's how God communicated to us. I've said it many times. Did you want a squirrel to write it? Right? You know those crazy tree rats, I mean squirrels. It's absolute truth, and it sets people free. Free from what? Jesus said in John 8.32, you will know the truth. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What we believe that is fundamentally different than the world believes, we have a law written inside of us. Now, I think there's a lot of good legislative laws that are out there. But legislative laws will never change this world. If they would, I think there's a law that says you shouldn't kill people, isn't there? Murder people and shouldn't steal. I understand people are so good that when they raise the, t- the, uh, the uh, tribal offense in California, $950 before they even arrest you. That groups of people gather there, they know they're going to go to jail and get arrested unless it's over $950. They take calculators and steal up to like $925 and walk out with it. See, because we believe in the goodness of people, right? Now let me say this. Any image of God that's left in us that has some good in it is the image of God. But inherently, people are not good. They're not. The Bible says all the sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it tells that story in this book. It's why Jesus came. But this is not just some regular story book filled with philosophy and ideas and good quotes. It's God's word. This is God's message for us. You see, if God is truly God, and he is, he has the power to preserve what he wants us to know. If you don't believe that, then you fundamentally don't understand the nature of an almighty God, at least to that level. I'm not saying I understand it in totality, period. I don't. But I can look around me and I can see from the greater to the lesser that if God can do the different things he's done with butterflies and insects and whales and everything else, it's not like a problem for God to figure out how do I preserve this. And God's so good he had some shepherd boy throw a stone in a cave back in the 1940s that hit these clay jars where they went in and found the Dead Sea Scrolls to say, see... I told you it's the same word. And I had those hidden for a couple of thousand years so you could see it. And by the way, I'm going to call a people back to a land that had been dispersed around the world, but they kept their identity. No other nation's ever done that. They kept it, and I called them back to the land that's going to bloom like a rose. That land's called Israel. The word of God sets people free. The Word of God is also referred to as the Word of God. Scripture referred to as the Word of God, Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
Word of God will tell you something about yourself. So let me ask you, how will you shape yourself this year? There's lots of people. I've seen the two weeks before the new year. It seems like I want to have an advertising agency, don't you? There's every celebrity in person telling you, if you will just get this, you will look like this 19-year-old star model or bodybuilder. Get on this machine. And they always show someone that's so ripped. and I'm thinking, do these people really need this thing? Show me some real people on there that work every day. Mom, anyway, but they do because they want you to get in shape. And I belong to a a gym, and I meet people there and watch people coming. And I guarantee you, I cannot find a space there now that's close. But come mid-February, I'll be pulling around there where I want to go, right? Because people really stick to their commitments because we're inherently good. Fan the flame. What will shape you in 2020? Word of God is very clear that the Word of God is so sharp, it's like the precision of a surgeon. Even to the dividing of the soul and spirit joints, marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And sometimes when God has spoken truth into your heart, boom, you know God told you that. It was God that revealed something to you. One way or the other, God can do that, can he? Because he's God. He talks to us. He communicates with us in lots of different ways. But it's called that sword. And the sword also does something else. Bring up that next slide if you would. The sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A sword can be an offensive or a defensive weapon. And the Word of God is an offensive weapon. In fact, it offends some people, but it also is good to have an offensive weapon because people need to hear from me and from you that the Word of God is true. They need to hear believers that will back up the Word and stick up for the Word. They've found enough people through denominations that have sold out to say, no, it's not really God's Word. Believe what you, you're a good person too. Believe whatever you want to believe. As long as you're a pretty good person, you'll be okay, whatever there is to the higher power. The higher power has a name. And it's not higher power, it's the highest power in the universe. His name is Jehovah God, Yahweh. And he spoke in the word of God, the word and the sword of the spirit. A bunch of backwards people that have come to some conclusion based on a bunch of ignorant thought. There have been scholars as wise as C.S. Lewis, including, well, the simplest child that can understand that God loves them. God's plan of salvation offers salvation through grace and mercy. Not anything we could do, but everything that he did. Scripture is inspired, and it's inspired by God himself. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed. When God created man, it says God breathed into him, and he became what? A living soul. When God says it's God-breathed, he spoke the truth. It is the living word. That is why when you read it and it comes alive to you, you memorize it and you think about that or meditate on it, it becomes alive to you. It's life-changing. All scriptures God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can be equipped for the good work of the kingdom of God through the word of God, period. It's the only way where you can do something unselfishly, 
We don't do to get. We do because we've already been given. We're not working to try to work our way to heaven or serving to work our way to heaven. We're serving because God's already paid our way to heaven. We serve out of thankfulness. Isn't that how you want to do it? Hmm? You want to go, did any of you go home and see your parents for Christmas and say, I'm going to come and do some stuff around here because I got to. I'll, I'll sweep or do because I want to. No, you do it out of love. If you did it the other way, it's not love anyway, right? But God frees us up to love him. Love is a volitional act. Word of God tells us it's inspired by God himself. And what God inspires, he can keep so you can know when you can read this and know that it's God's word for you. But we're living in a biblically literate time. And believer, it's more important than ever that you and I stay in the word because something's going to shape us in 2020. What will shape you in 2020? Scripture is authoritative. Psalm 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Has the word of God ever just picked you up before and revived you? God's word can do that. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. That is God's word. God opens up our eyes. He radiates our heart. He shows us how to be like Christ, not like our feeling selfish selves that deal with our subjective views. God says, I have truth, and I want to speak truth through you. Scripture is pure. Look at Proverbs 35. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield of those who take revenge in, uh, refuge in him. The idea that uh, every, every word of God is flawless, it's pure. It's, un- it's, it's unmolested. It's not polluted. And so when we see Satan himself, when we see the serpent questioning God's word, people like to tamper with it. When you tamper with God's word, it's not pure anymore. Yeah, but pastor, it's just a little. We're redefining genders, marriage relationships, what's right and wrong. We're redefining lots of things in our world. Even in fact, there's crimes against the climate. There's, we're redefining things. We're enlightened now. I'm looking around the world, and I have to see, very frankly, it doesn't look too enlightened to me. Does it to you? We have cities where more people were killed in a city than we've had in areas where there's war taking place. Every word of God is flawless. That means that it's the way that it needs to be. It's the absolute truth that sets people free. People try to add to God's word. They destroy its purity. And so I can have a bottle of arsenic up here and a glass filled with eight ounces of water. If I put in eight ounces of arsenic, are you going to drink it? What if I only put in four drops? See, it's the same result, isn't it? Isn't it? Let's mess with it a little bit. Did God really say... Yes, God said, and God didn't need a 21st century education to figure out what mankind is like. We've always been the same. Remember, if people, if people didn't have issues of selfishness and self-importance and subjective worldviews, the brothers that were in a really good environment, pretty good parents, Adam and Eve, one of their children killed the other one, right? They can't say, I told you not to be on that cell phone. Uh, Ghana came. Listen, 
It's something inside of us. We just have more sophistication, more technology. There's nothing inherently evil with technology. A lot of it's great, used properly. Unfortunately, humanity, when given the opportunity to do it right, some people will choose not to. And so we put profanity, pornography on phones, laptop, media, and we call it freedom of expression. See, it's, not, it's freedom of expression. It's art. I'm sorry. It's pornography and it's sick. And it's wrecked more relationships in life. We do things like, let's have an educational lottery. It's for the kids. Right? It's a tax on people who are needy. We call it educational lottery. What a joke. It is. It just... We, we call it choice. See, we're American. We call it choice. We don't call it taking a life. Do we just tamper a little bit? Just say a little bit. A little bit. It's just it's, it's for this. It's for that. The other thing. And it can look like one piece after another after another. And before you know it, young people, let us tell you, your professor will tell you this. That God didn't create anything. We were looking at a show yesterday showing this butterfly in the Philippines. It's crazy. I'm going to do a little thing on it because I just love it. I watched a lot of it. We just saw, saw a few minutes of it. I watched the whole thing about this thing, how much it eats from this poisonous tree. But it knows just how much to eat and where to eat it from. It will kill it if it eats too much. Then it goes and makes this cocoon-looking crazy kind of a thing. And it's called a paper, the, 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 slime, the word I would know, it's a paper butterfly, but there's a fancier name for it. It flies away, comes out of this thing. Here it is, from this crawling thing, and it goes and fly away. I wonder, where did that come from? But there's a big old spider that has a three-foot web it flies into. Mink. And there, it just gets out, and they show it literally flying to it, and you see the spider come out. And they, oh, man, this thing just had all this happen, it's going to die. The spider goes up to it. I'm going to use the word, and tastes it and says, this thing's filled with poison. And it see, it's enough poison not to kill the butterfly, but enough for that spider not to eat it. And the spider cuts it loose. Can I ask you something? Do you think that just happened? God. But God. God's wisdom. His wisdom confounds the wise in their own craftiness. You see, there's some things that are just inexplicable. And I'm glad for great scientific mind photographers that are telling all about this. I'm excited and saying, God, wow, I, I really don't know how magnificent you are, God. Please forgive me. That's a pretty good detail about that, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy good. That's how our God is. Scripture is pure. Every word is flawless. Don't tamper with it. Don't add with it. Don't make yourself the exception. It's God's word. How is scripture understood? Several different, many different ways, but we're going to look at three major ways. First of all, by examination. 2 Timothy 2.15. Scriptures learned by examination. Let me ask you in 2020, what will shape you? Are you going to be examining God's word and studying God's word for this reason? 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best 
Do your best because it's for God. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved to work when he doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth in your university, in your high school, your middle school, your workplace, with your families. Be a person like that, that you can handle. It's, it's well, it's understood by examination. And it does say a workman. It does take some work. You have to study, look, and see. But every believer ought to be a workman in God's word. You may not be able to exegete something by Hithpael Selma and the Hebrew, but you ought to be able to defend God's word and know God's word and quote God's word. So, Pastor, a lot of people don't believe the Bible. Quote it to them anyway. Tell them, say, I know, with all due respect, no, you don't believe in this, but this is what the Bible says. Here's the story of God's love. This is what the Bible says. Why aren't you freaking out? Everyone else has a heart that's coming up because I've. You know, I believe in the word of God says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which pass all understanding will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Don't say it that quickly. But say it. That here's what I believe. Here's what I believe about that. Why aren't you scared? Because it said in Psalms 46, 1, God's our refuge and strength. God. God interacts. He knows my heart. He knows yours. I learned Psalm 46 on the heels of something that happened to me once. As a new believer, because I didn't believe in demons. I believed in the Bible. I didn't, I, I didn't have a Bible. I just got one. Didn't know demons were real, that Satan was real. Thought they were kind of just like Halloween costumes or something. Or, you know, I, I, I wasn't, at the very least, I wasn't real sure about it. And I was talking to some other believers about that. So I don't know if I believe in that. Nah, nah, nah. And I went into my room. And we had no hotel, one of the dorms. And they have those double locks on it. So there was nobody in my room. Trust me. I know when someone else is in my room. There was no one else in there. And I got woken up because someone was walking around. Something was walking around in my room. And I, I, I felt cold. It felt weird. And my Bible was by my nightstand there. And it's pitch black in my room. But it freaks you out when you hear someone in your room walking around. Well, no, it must have been someone upstairs. That building was poured concrete. I never heard someone walking upstairs above me. Something was in there. I reached over in the dark, looking for my light switch, found that without even looking up. I threw my Bible open. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I remembered that verse. I promise you, I remember. God. God does, it's by examination. Hide his word in your heart. Declare his word. Something will shape you in 2020. What will it be? Let it be God's word to shape and reshape you. Scripture is understood by illumination, examination, of course, but also by illumination. When you study it, God gives you insight into his word. The more you look, the more you pray, even before you read it. He gives you insights, understood by illumination, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. This is, excuse me, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Many times they won't understand. Be careful. If you have a person repeatedly rejecting the word of God and making fun of it and mocking it, I'm not saying don't be their friend, but Jesus said don't cast pearls before swine. That's awful of Jesus to call people swine. Jesus wasn't calling people swine. 
He was giving them a comical look at one of the more precious stones of value in that day and time, pearl. Jesus said, don't throw pearls before swine because they'll just trample it. And people probably said, Jesus, we're not going to, are you kidding me? Those are, we would never do that. Jesus was saying, when you're casting out before people that will not, that repeatedly don't have that nature to accept this and mock it. They don't seem willing to take it, mocking and tearing it up, trampling it underfoot. Then move on to someone that may not trample it underfoot. Keep looking, keep seeking, keep searching for someone else. Because they're just heaping more judgment on themselves. There's many people that just trampled underfoot. As, and it's not the animal's fault. Jesus has given an example. That's what happened to the word. He gets trampled. But by illumination. That's why when you read the word of God, some of you that teach, or some of you are just going through the word, and you're looking at your devotion time, you spend some time reading, and say, oh, I got that now. That's what that is. And this is how it applies to today. That's a word I needed today. And sometimes you just need before you even open up and say, God, what fresh word do you have for me today? How will you teach me something today? How are the scriptures understood? By examination, of course, by illumination, and also by other people. God's help, he helps us through people. So some of you are in classes, some of you are in BSF, some of you are in small groups, some of you are here right now in this place, obviously some are listening out there. He, he helps us through people in Acts 8, 30 and 31. It says, then Philip ran up to the chair and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Guys, it's not complicated. God didn't complicate this thing. There are many things we hide from or don't want to mention to people say they might think I'm kind of weird or I believe God's word. I don't know you get painted in the corner as someone as a ignorant Bible believing narrow person. I've had someone recently call me narrow. It says pretty narrow. I said, thank you. I said, why, why has that become negative when it's because of a biblical truth? I said, aren't you, do you go when you have a, a need some heart work, do you go to the 7-Eleven or to a hospital? Do you go to the Walmart, the Kmart, or to an ER unit? You see, truth needs to be selective when it's, when it's a significant truth. Now, if you're just going for a cold drink, you can go to several different places. When you're looking for something that affects your life, you better make sure you have truth. Because everyone out here, whether you're listening out there or in this room, is betting their life on something. And if you say, no, I'm not, I'm just living. Well, then you're living in apathy because you're betting your life on something because the mortality rate with people is one-on-one. On one. Everyone dies. Everyone will. And when you're lying on that bed and you know you're dying, what's important to you? What's important to you? Perhaps more importantly, what's important to God since you're getting ready to see him? So I ask you the question, what will shape you in 2020? Because there's no doubt in a group this size or some people have to do some extreme shaping. If it was the weight thing, you'd have to lose 500 pounds. You've got to shed the junk that you've put into your mind and heart. You've got yourself addicted to some things on a site. You think you're hiding it and you can't hide it from people. But friend, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not hiding it from God. And he sees the filth and the dirt that you've tried to fool everyone else with and play a Christian hypocritical game. But he sees it. And he's told you today, through the illumination of the Spirit, you cut that out. Stop it. Don't do that. 
hurting your life. He's told some of your marriage, you need to get this right. You need to love your spouse. The way I told you to love your spouse. You need to be part of that. That's the only relationship God calls together. Even when you grow up and you leave, you leave and cleave. But your mom and dad, your husband and wife, they're there. That's the relationship that God honors. Treat it as such. When he says to be light in the world, we can get up out around it with a million different excuses. But he wants you to stand up for him and for his word. People miss the miracles because they're not standing up for him. Hey, that was great. David did that. Yeah, David had some guts to go do what he did. So did Peter. So did a lot of other ones. But it came at a price. Everyone likes to read the story subsequent to it. And some of you will have a window of opportunity to speak some truth into some things. And the window is going to be about that wide. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to speak a word of truth here or not? Am I going to face rejection or not? Because you see, there will be some that may reject you, but conversely, maybe some that just say, you know what? I've never seen such conviction like that. I like that. I wonder if I need to learn more about that. The Holy Spirit of God can slay people if you allow God to speak truth through you. One of the most adverse people I ever worked with, not in a church setting, that's different. Not much, but a little bit. This person had the filthiest. He could not put together two words without some disgusting swear word in it. The queen mother of them all. Everything was just, I don't know if you pick up something. You have four bad words to say. Looked at trash and garbage during lunch hours when I was working construction years ago. And just to laugh and laugh and make fun. I'd read my Bible uh, many times at lunch and talk to some of the guys I work with. And he would just make fun of it. Bring in pictures, photographs of his spouse with some other guys, awful stuff. They come here, don't you want to see it? I said, no, I don't. And then he had a child out of wedlock with someone, a little girl that he loved. Brought in some pictures of her. I said, how are you going to like it one day? I knew I was either going to get a crowbar over my head. I said, how are you going to like that? When there's some group of men gawking at her one day, just like you're doing to these other people's daughters. How are you going to like that, Gary? And I watched his eyes swell up and some tears start to come down his face. His big, tough, 280-pound mountain of a person. And he eventually became a student pastor, by the way. Because God slayed him. And sometimes you have to stand in the way and just speak truth. Now, you do it and you earn a hearing. So earn a hearing at your bank where your friends are in your dorms. Bring them some bagels. Do something, whatever. I don't know what it. Earn the hearing in your neighborhood, wherever. But speak truth to them. Let them know why. It says that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Not doing this so we can get a brownie badge. Doing it because our God's worthy of that. He's the one we worship. God works through people. Do you talk to your friends? Talk to your grandchildren about Scripture. You've been backed into the corner by people or in the workplace. What's going to shape you in 2020? This is a cool thing. How many of you have something? I'm trying to describe it. It's, it's in your car, and if you have some coffee or a drink, you put it in this thing. A cup holder. Right? You know, it's crazy. In the surveys they do, that's one of the more important things that people look for when they're buying a vehicle. It's techno stuff, and it's a cup holder. We years, back in the old days, what size engines did I have? It's a cup holder. But I thought those were pretty new, but they're really not. Because, see, this, is, this has this 
photo of a, uh, an engraving, an embossed engraving of a bicycle built for two with a, a man and woman on it riding this bicycle. Back in the day before convenience stores and all that, and if you're out there on a ride in the country, where do you get a drink? No cup holder for Victorian crystal on your bike. Remember, patented 1897. But you did have this thing. And what you could do is just simply pop this top and go like this. Bloop. See? And you can fill it up. See, we thought we were so technically advanced, right? You can scoop some water. Here, honey, here's some water for you. Wonderful. Thank you. It's my highly technical device. I'll put this back on. Boop. Put it back in my pocket. Pretty cool, right? But you see, if it stays closed, it never gets filled. What shapes this is opening it so it can be filled. What will shape you in 2020 is your openness to God's Word to change you so you can be filled and not just the same old thing. Say, God, I want to be a different person. I want to, God, as great a year as last year was, I want to be reshaped. I want to be filled with your presence, your principles, the things I need, your witness through me. I want to be filled in that way. And if that's you, if God has spoken truth into your heart, then today's a day for you to come forward and pray with someone or pray where you are. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about God Almighty. And today's a day to look at 2020 as opposed to all the other resolutions we want to make and do this, lose that weight there, have this here, whatever. Then a lot of them are good. I want to study more, whatever it is. Today's today to say, God, I want you to shape me. I want you to fill me. I want to see your work in my life. I want to be reshaped to look more like Jesus. And friend, you'll never have a better 2020. Notice I didn't tell you like a health and wealth pastor that you'll have an easy 2020. I didn't tell you, if you do that, God will give you a million dollars. And you'll pick the right numbers for the $600 million lottery. Listen, the educational lottery it is. There's a good, there's a good reason I play it. For the, it's for the kids. Play it. And, and I look at the sites for the advertisements on the bad side, whatever. Listen carefully. Today's the day of decision. Pastors, deacons, come forward right now. We're getting ready for a time of response. And there's some decisions that can be made today that can literally be eternal life-changing for some people. If, if you've said to God, God, I want to be reshaped by you. I'm shaped to this point, but 2020, I'll tell you what I want. I want your word to shape me. I want to look at your principles for me in my class. Now look at someone else, compare myself to that. I want you to look at me and say, God, you have permission to reshape me, and I'm going to look at your word and let it reshape me and sculpt me. I'm on God's elliptical, God's weight room. I want to be shaped in that way so I look like Jesus this year. I want to see some things happen, God, I haven't even thought of yet. Could you do that for me, God, because I'm willing to be there. I'm open vessel to that. Friend, if that's you, you're in for a great year. I said a great year because you will get to that day where you'll be lying on a bed, perhaps, or in some other circumstance. And just like I witnessed recently, with someone I've known for almost 50 years. You get to look back. It will happen faster than you think, young person. Faster than you think. 
And you get to look back, ask yourself, what did my life matter? Now that there's nothing I can take with me, there's no more ladders to climb, there's no more stuff, what has my life mattered? And dear friend, if you let God reshape your life, shape him into the image of his son, you can look back and say, God, I want to thank you that you worked through me. Thank you, God, I opened my mouth up when I didn't feel like it. God, thank you when I had the feelings of fear. You helped me to overcome that and step out and be bold for you. Not arrogant, but bold. Thank you, God, I learned your word. And when people said, what does that mean? I knew what it was because I did examine your scripture. I did stay in the word. I did get illumined through scripture. And God, I listened and sat under people where I was taught your word. Let it be a great year. Do you need a church home? Let me ask you this. Do you? If you do, we're here. We believe God's word from cover to cover, and we don't sell church here, but we lift up Jesus. He's the only one that can save you, and he proved his love for your friend because he went and did something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. He paid for our sins. You see, you can't pay for your own sins. Our sins are against God. God, the perfect sacrifice, paid for him. He came that first Christmas to go to a cross, a cradle, a cross, then a crown, He went to the cradle, to the cross, died and paid for sins, shed his blood, rose three days later, and offers eternal life as a gift. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about grace and God's mercy saved us. You can receive that today and know where you're going when you die if you come to God on his terms, period. And if you are one of those people, we'd love to hear from you today. But whatever decision you have, listen, today's the day of decision. Don't wait. I'm going to ask you to stand. Please lead us in our time of response. Do not wait. Come as God has spoken truth to your heart.